0: Welcome to LifeBridge. Hello, good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Is there anything you guys want to say about me? Good to see me? I'm just kidding. Quick question. Does anybody know what time the Packers play today? So that joke bombed at first service, and I just doubled down, and uh, it didn't go well this time either. Yes. I'm a huge Packer fan, so I'm not, I'm teasing from the inside, so. Uh, which is broken. I'm I'm broken on the inside. <laughs> it's truly it was truly devastating for me. Um. Anyway, welcome to church. Really good to see you guys. And I want to say thank you for joining us. If you are new and looking to get connected, there are cards in the chairs and the seatbacks in front of you. You can fill those out, drop them in the slots at each end of the hallway, and uh, and we will we will get in touch with you. I also want to tell you about my life bridge. My life bridge is a great way to just stay up to date with what we're doing. If you go to myliferidge.church or if you end up on our church website, which is lifebridge.church, it's very easy to find from there as well. But calendar, we have a daily devotional that goes out. There's a written and an audio version of that. You can give from there. You can get signed up if you're not yet for email and text updates, which is a great way to stay in the loop with what we're doing as well. But thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. We gather together. Um, the Bible says it's it's good to get to gather together. We don't want to be... Uh, we don't want to be Christians who, whose faith is solely something that we think of as a personal faith between us and God. There is a personal component, of, of course, but there is this big, there is this big call to a communal, community focus of our faith as well. That's a big part of why we gather on Sunday mornings, is because we are supposed to, we are supposed to practice faith in community with others. So thank you for joining us to do that here today. I also want to say thank you for your giving. Thanks for supporting our mission with your tithes and offerings. Uh, it, it, allows, it allows the work that we do to continue to go forward. And uh, we believe, as the Bible says, it is better to give than to receive. We want to be a generous church, uh, a giving church. We try to do that in the ways that we, that we uh, invest in things outside of this place. We don't want to simply be an internally focused church, focused on building for our, our needs and what fits us. Rather, we want to be a generous church that, that meets the needs of our community, that, that gives to missions happening um, abroad, uh, across the globe, and, and we're asking you to be involved in that same way. If you call this your home church, we ask that you give, and you can do that online through our website, Church. You can do that th- uh, via Venmo if you'd like. We also have giving boxes on each end of the hallway for, for cash and check. And we, just, we, uh, we are so thankful for your, for your support and your consistency, those of you who, who uh, support our mission. With that, I'm going to talk just briefly, we, we've been talking all, since September, we've been talking about this vision that we have for kind of this school year, which we're calling All In All Together, which is the idea that, that we, want to be, we want to be a church that does things together. We don't want it to simply be a church where, where we come on Sundays and everyone sits and you sit in the same spot every week, right? And you have your, you have your routine that's for you, and you worship and then you leave. But we want, we want our community and the things that we do together to go, to go far beyond uh, that and we, we're focusing on three things this year. First is belonging together. The idea that we want to find true belonging in our church. We don't want it to simply be a place we go because, because the Sunday service fits our, our preferences or something of that nature. We want to find true belonging from our church community. We want to grow together. We want the relationships that we form here to not simply be about connection or friendship. This is not, a, uh, this is not a, a club or professional network. We want to grow together. We want to grow together in the truth. And when we say grow together in the truth, we mean the truth founded in God's word and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then lastly, serving together. We want to serve together. And there's a lot of different opportunities and ways to serve. But one way that we're focusing on serving together is we're doing something called Serve Sunday. We're doing it four times, uh, basically once a quarter um, right now. And the next one, Serve Sunday, is a week from this Sunday. So next Sunday is Serve Sunday. What that means is that if you come to the 1030 service or the 9 o'clock service next week, you won't come in and sit down and have me uh, start the service by completely bombing a joke. That's not what will happen next week if you come here. What will happen next week is you'll come in, the chairs will be stacked against the walls, there will be tables set up, and we're doing a food packaging event next week. Tia talked in more detail about, about that event uh, last week, uh, but you'll learn more next week if you're here as well. But basically, if you come at 9 or 10:30, we're gonna be we're gonna be handing you a pair of like gloves and uh, I think like a plastic cap, and then you'll be packaging food. Um, and we want you to take part in this. We want our entire church to be involved. So next next Sunday at 9 and 10:30, that is what we'll be doing. We will not be having a traditional ch- church service. Rather, we will be worshiping through service. Um, and that, that, is, that is an act of worship in the same way that what we're doing this week is. And so we want everybody there. We want you involved. We want you to sign up so that we know that you're coming, so that we can prepare for you. We can have a spot ready for you. We can have food to feed you, things of that nature. We will have food um, as well. Did we, did, did we land on bagels? Are we doing? I don't know. But anyway, we'll have food. Um, it'll probably be amazing. I don't know. Uh, it's organic. It's gluten-free. I don't know. Um, what it is, but I assume it'll be great. Anyway, we want you to sign up at lifebridge.church forward slash serve so that we know which service you're planning to come and serve at. You can bring your older kids. um, It's a great opportunity for them to serve as well. So we won't have elementary age kids ministry next week. The other environments will be open, but the elementary kids will help us with with, uh, packaging food next week. We want to be a church that does not only... On our own needs and focus internally, and we're trying to we're trying to really uh, build into that culture by taking Sunday mornings, disrupting everyone's routine. And I know how much everyone loves having their routine disrupted, um, but we are doing that next week. You can still come at the same time, bring your family, do the things the same way, and it will look different. And we think that's a good thing. We're asking you to come be a part of it. If you have questions about Serve Sunday, you can grab me after church, um, but or you can shoot me an email or whatever. Uh, I, I have LinkedIn. Um, I'm kidding. I'm I'm beefing it up right now for my new. I'm kidding. No. um, Sign up at lifebridgechurch forward slash serve. Sorry, guys. Not my best. Not my best jokes today. Uh, Or maybe they are better than usual, and I'm just I'm just truly deluded. I don't know. Anyway, with that, I want to welcome up a resident Bears fan who we all should give a little extra. Don't know. I was. I thought it would be fine. Anyway, please welcome Pastor John Adams. Yeah.
1: Good thing we're talking about love today. I thought of maybe giving you guys just a little more practice in loving somebody who can be a real jerk and troll by commenting on the game yesterday. But John did it for me, so I don't have to say a word. So I'll just walk around with a stupid smile on my face all day today and annoy you guys like that. Um, (laughs) All right, let's pray and jump into the sermon. Father, Lord, we thank you for your mercy to us, your grace, how you love us. And God, we just want to respond by worship. Thanks for the opportunity to gather together and to worship your name together in community. Lord, today we pray that your spirit would produce love in us. Uh, Help us to love one another um, the way that you have loved us. Help us to love one another according to uh, the truth of your love and how you have defined and demonstrated love. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, our campaign is called Life Changing Community. So, as John mentioned, with our All In, All Together theme for this year, the church is much more than just a social club or a professional network or uh, just a place to like build relationships. That's those happen here, and that's so great. And that's kind of the fa- that's part of how we grow. But from that, we should be uh, pursuing life change. Pursuing life change according to the truth of Jesus Christ according to the scripture and what he calls us to. So what we're doing in this campaign is just exploring that. How do we grow together in community? Or what are some of the things that we should be focusing on growing in within the community of faith? Because when we look at some of those key, those baseline character traits in the Christian life that we are to be developing, today we're talking about love. So we think about Love. The simple question is, how do we grow in love? Well, some people have to offend you, and you have to still love them (laughs) despite their offense. When everything in you is screaming, leave, don't talk to them anymore, Uh, uh, ostracize them from your social circle and from your friends and your community, how do we still love them as a part? Uh, How do we learn to love them as followers of Christ within the community? So, Love is a challenge. It's really challenging within the church community. But that is where we develop it, and that is where we practice it. So within community is where we develop and practice love. And things like mercy and justice and forgiveness, those key aspects to the Christian life have to be done in community. Because in the New Testament, there is no concept of a Christian not in incarnate community with other people on a regular basis. There is no concept in the minds of the apostles of a Christian on an island alone. It is always in community, and they spend, they go to great lengths and difficulty to keep communities of people together because it's vitally important. So far in this campaign, we've talked about how community is in the very nature of God. God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as a Trinity, and how it is built into humanity's nature as well. Scripture says it is not good for man to be alone in the creation narrative. And then we talked about the spiritual formation process and how beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image, that image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. That all happens in community, and that is why we are here in community. And last week we talked about hope and how we share this same story of the gospel, of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that we as a church community, that is our primary umbrella story that supersedes all of the other stories of our life. And when we are living in that story and calling one another to live in that story together, that we can be hopeful, because we are part of a hopeful story. Today we're talking about love, as I've already said. It's really difficult to overstate the significance of love in this Christian life. In the scripture. It is, I think, the supreme virtue of the Christian life, that love is to be the motivation or the driving principle of the Christian life, that more and more the things that we do should be motivated and driven by love. All of the things that we do as a Christian, whether it's our our spiritual disciplines, our practices uh, within the church, our worship should be motivated out of love for God how we serve one another, coming tomorrow to serve, how we go to work uh, tomorrow morning, or whatever we find ourselves doing tomorrow should be motivated and driven by love. Love for God, love for people. Scripture says it all over. I'm just going to blast us with a few uh, Scripture verses here to just emphasize the importance of love and how it is central to the Christian life. Now, discipleship is simply growing in love. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Uh, this is, he was asked what the greatest commandment is, and his reply is, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He was only asked for one. He gives two. That is the first and greatest command commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Okay, what's the verb in both of those? Love, right? You guys are like, verb? I don't want to go back to grammar class. What are we talking about here? Love is the verb of both of them. So love is the driving principle of the greatest two commandments in the Christian life. Scott McKnight calls this the Jesus Creed. So creeds are just attempts at uh, simplifying Christian doctrine. There are a lot of good creeds throughout the history of the church that simplify what we believe as followers of Jesus, and, and he calls this the Jesus Creed because this is the the teachings of Jesus simplified, like boiled down to two commandments: love God, love people. In John thirteen, in Jesus' farewell discourse before he uh, before he goes to the cross, his death and resurrection, he says, "A new command I give to you." He's talking to his disciples: love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This command is not new in the sense that love one another wasn't in the Old Testament, but it's new in that he is now the model for it. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what is to be the defining characteristic of the Christian community? Everybody. Love. Love. By this, you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That challenges even our concept of what is the Christian community now? Because I think if someone were to ask you uh, on Wednesday, when you're just going about your day, what is the defining marker of the Christian community? Think about what you would say in that moment. I don't know that love would come to mind, first of all, for me, oftentimes as well, even. But love is to be the defining characteristic of the Christian community to the world around us. It's a challenge, because it often is not, right? Or to ask people on the street who don't attend church, what would they say is the defining characteristic of the Christian community? And that, then, is a challenge for us to live up to our own standards, right? 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter where the Apostle Paul, you've probably heard this read at weddings. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Paul says it so strongly here. So if I am demonstrating all of these awesome spiritual gifts, the Spirit of God working within me, but I don't, I'm not doing those out of love, he's just a, a gong or a clanging cymbal. Apparently we're going to have a gong here next week for when we finish packaging up a box. We can whack the gong, right? You guys can imagine that that's me if I'm speaking without love. He says also that he is nothing without love. If I give all I possess to the poor, super generous, and give over my body to hardship, he suffers for the gospel that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. If these great spiritual practices and these awesome things that we look at and say, that person is a a super spiritual individual who is following Christ and doing it well, all the heroes of the faith, if they did all those things without love, they mean nothing. Love has to be the cardinal virtue that undergirds all of it. And now these three remain. At the end of the chapter, he summarizes it like this. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And in the middle, in between those, he, he, he kind of does his best to articulate some of the characteristics of what love looks like, so that we can see it. Love is patient. Love is kind. All of those are just characteristics to describe what love looks like, so that we know it when we see it. Next, we're going we're gonna to go to 1 John. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. This is one of the like, uh, best love chapters on love in all of the Scripture First uh, John, the Apostle John, is writing to the churches in Asia Minor, likely a bunch of house churches in what is present-day Turkey. This, this book, it reads much more like a sermon than it does a letter. So the logic doesn't really flow like Paul's letters, where it's like uh, very logical, very reasonable, for because of this, because of this, now this. Like it's, uh, those ideas are all built on each other. This is just kind of like a jumbled kind of themes, just repeated time and time and time again of light and love. Okay. The whole book is based on these two principles that, that John says, that God is light and God is love. God is light and God is love. God is light in that uh, God in God is truth. In God is revelation of what is true and what is real. And in God is holiness and purity and how we should live our lives based on the words of God. <clears throat> And then he says that God's love. We're going to unpack that today. But he's largely writing to them. This is important. He's largely writing to these churches to help them discern who is in the faith and who is not. Okay, so that should kind of be how we're reading this, is helping us discern, are we in the faith or are we not? And helping us discern and know who we should be listening to. There's been a huge movement within the church where we tend to uh, platform individuals who give them global platforms, who their platform is more based on their effectiveness in speaking or teaching. They're such a gifted communicator. Look at the size of the church they built, the administrative ability that they have. And so how could they possibly be wrong? So I'm going to listen to them. But now, and then as you kind of get into their inner life and over years and decades of ministry, you see that their life was not lived as a life of love. And so for us, as Christians who are taking John's word seriously here, we should be looking at the life of love of an individual for how much authority we give them in our lives. He's largely writing to them to help them discern who is in the faith and who is not. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So again, he's helping them discern who's in the faith and who isn't. So if you are a person who loves, and he's going to define love in just a minute. So if you're like a macho man's man, and you're like, ooh, we're talking about love today. So boring. And you have in mind this like, like romantic comedy love, not what John's talking about. Okay, get that love out of your mind. That's not what he's talking about. So hang with me, we'll define it. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So he says, if you're living a life of love, then you are a child of God and you know God in the sense that you have this relationship with God. Relationship is such a good word to describe uh, how we should relate to God. It's it's this concept of knowing God, of being close to him and, and this intimate relationship with him. And if we're loving, that's evidence that yes, we are born of God, we're children of God and that we know God. According to God's definition of love, whoever does not love does not know God. He just says it in the negative, because God is love. <laughs> what a strong statement, right? God is love. That love is an essential characteristic of God and who He is. Theologians have argued that it is God's. It is the cardinal virtue of God. That everything God does is rooted and based in His love. His judgment, His discipline as well as his compassion and his mercy and his grace. It's all done because of God's love for us. Now, we must note, too, that we can't reverse these. Okay, you can't reverse love is God. Okay? Uh, somebody just dropped off a book even this week. Uh, this is a co- common thing that spiritual, spiritualists teach, like new spiritualists is kind of the idea. The Oprah's, Wayne Dyer's, Eckhart Tolle's, Elizabeth Lessers of the world. Like, this is kind of their theology, and they're thinking of, uh, they invert this and say, love is God. Therefore, if I am loving, then I am God. You see the logic and how that works? It's subtle, it's deceptive, and it's completely not true. (laughs) John stops way, way short of ever leading to the even insinuation that we can become God, Okay. God and us and human beings remain distinct in this entire passage, okay? So, just be aware of that. If you're reading a blog and you see that type of language, that's what's happening, and it's not at all what John is saying here. What he's saying here about God is love, is that love is sourced in God, is an essential characteristic of God. It's sourced in Him, that in Him we find our love. He's the one who produces that within us. And it is defined by Him. Love is sourced in God, and it is defined by God. There are so many different. This is this is maybe I don't want to say, but this is one of the most important uh, areas for spiritual formation within the church today: is understanding how love is defined by God, because there are so many different ideas out there, and so many different definitions of love, so many different ways that we use the term love. So we say things like, I love those curtains. Strong form of like, right? (laughs) I love that. That's not what John's talking about here. (laughs) Uh, We say things like, uh, I love my wife. The romantic love is a very different love than you have for the curtains, right? I hope, or else you have serious problems, and you should go see a therapist soon. We say, like, I love my friends, which is like a strong affection. It's different than that romantic love as well. So there's lots of different ways that we use it. And within the culture today, especially in spiritual conversations, uh, on meaning and important matters of life, love has become synonymous with our culture's definition of tolerance, which means love is separate from truth. So we don't ever actually say that anything is true. So if you love me, you won't say that the way I'm living is wrong is kind of the culture's definition of love and tolerance right now. And if you disagree with any of my thinking, my theology on life, or my behavior, the way I'm living, and morals and ethics, then you do not love me. That is not the biblical understanding of love. Love is defined, as John's going to say here, by Jesus, by the incarnation and the cross, which on the cross we see God's perfect justice and mercy on display. God's saying, no, you are still sinners, but I am going to take your place and pay the penalty that you deserve for you. So we see this great self-sacrifice, this adherence to the truth, all wrapped up in one. God's perfect justice, God's perfect mercy, all on display And love is not distinct from it. Love is actually what motivates all of it. This is how God showed his love among us. Okay, so now he's saying, here's the love he's talking about. Uh, So this is super important for us to get, to understand. This is how scripture, John here, defines love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The Incarnation. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what John is doing here is he's defining love as the story of Jesus. Saying, when we read the story of Jesus, when we contemplate and think about what Jesus has done in the incarnation and coming to earth and in dying on the cross for us, we should say, that's love. That's what it looks like. I wrestle with this all the time because whenever I preach a sermon like this, I want to define it in simple terms so that we can all grasp. But as soon as I do, it loses all of its teeth. <laughs> all right, so the, the best definition that I've heard, I think it comes from Dallas Wood. I forgot to look it up beforehand. But the best definition that I've heard is that it's an internal movement that leads us to act in the best interest of another without regard for getting anything in return. Make sense? But completely loses all of its teeth, right? (laughs) You're like, cool, I kind of get it. But that's not, it's not like inspiring, is it? But when you read the life of Jesus, and you see the incarnation and his humility in coming and being born as a baby, and not just being born, but being born as a poor, into a poor family, in a stable in Bethlehem living a poor life and then the cross going to the cross and being willing to suffer humiliation and physical pain and agony social ostracization all of it for us that's love his compassion for people that's love when we read the story of Jesus that's where we see love and so when we see what Jesus has done, when we see one another living and acting like Jesus did, we can say, that's it. So that points us to the all important truth that we need to know the life of Jesus so well. So that when we see similar actions from others, we can say, that's it. I see it. I get it. Dear friends, even the word John uses here, dear, dear friends, is beloved or loved ones. It's rooted in the same word for love. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So God is the, the paradigm. God's the one we should look at and say, this, since God did this for us, we should do that for one another. So again, we have to be so familiar with how God has loved us in Jesus that we can then give that same love to others. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made Complete in us. John loves this idea of no one's seen God. So uh, we don't see God now in the same way that we, we did, like when Jesus was living and walking on the earth. We don't see the Father in that same sense. But when we love one another, we're seeing God at work within the believer. Okay, just like uh, beholding the glory of the Lord or being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another, and how uh, we all with unveiled face are doing so we're seeing God at work within our brothers and sisters in Christ when we act in love. It's this beautiful promise that as God transforms us, that we see God at work within us. So John says here that his love is made complete in us. Some translations translate this perfect. The, the word implies this uh, intended purpose or goal that is, is being driven towards. So, so God is at work within you, to make his love complete in you. That's a crazy idea, right? (laughs) That is spiritual formation. God making his love, this definition of love, complete in you. God's growing you in love. And if you notice, the is made complete is, is passive. So that means it is something that is being done to you, and it is God who is working in you to make his love complete in you. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. So remember, John's one of his main reasons for writing this letter is to discern who is a part of the people of God and who isn't, to call us to self-examination. He has given us his spirit. So if we have experienced the spirit of God, who the first fruit of the spirit is love, right? Who's producing love within us. So if we are growing in love and Christ's love is being made complete in us, then we are in Christ. We are in God. That we are abiding in him and He and us, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. John's pointing to the fact that hey, Jesus. We saw Jesus. We lived with Him. We walked with Him. We heard Him speak. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we all, and so we know, and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Beautiful promise that if we are. Living in love, his love is being made complete in us, that God abides, God lives, he remains with us, and we remain in him. It's this relationship, this beautiful picture of our relationship with God. And it's a promise, that as we're growing in love, if we see that growing in love, that's evidence that God is working within us. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence On the day of judgment. So, this love, the this is referring back to the previous verse that's God working in us through the Holy Spirit that makes this love complete in us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Now, when Jesus returns, we can have confidence that we're not going to be exposed to the judgment of God because Jesus has already taken that judgment for us. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In the devotional, I'll kind of go through a little bit uh, the nuance between this conversation of fear and love and talk about other passages in Scripture that call us to fear God. I think that's on Wednesday. We love because he first loved us. Okay, there it is again, sourced in God. We love because God first loved us. That without God first loving us, we would have no concept of what this love really is that we're called to do and give to one another. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Says it just as plainly as he can. Like this love for one another is evidence of God working in us. That if God has uh, saved you, if God has given you his spirit, which happens when we believe in Jesus, if all of this is happening you will be growing in love. Period. (laughs) End of story. If God is working in you, we can't not grow in love. Is kind of John's theology. So if you say, if you claim to love God, but you hate your brother or sister, you're lying. Because remember the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor. They go together. They're inseparable. You can't claim to love God and hate people. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Remember, this is the primary command of Jesus. The new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. This is, as Paul says elsewhere, the law of Christ. I know the core of Jesus' teaching, it is to love God and love people. And the two are inseparable. Here's what Karen Jobes, uh, New Testament scholar and commentator, not to be confused with Carrie Job, the singer, songwriter. As I was writing this down, I put on a song on Spotify, and uh, it was by Carrie Job, and I was like, oh, I better clarify that <laughs> for you guys. Karen Jobes is a scholar. Carrie Job is a singer. Okay, so Karen Jobs says, the failure to love is not simply an ethical failing, but means that one remains in the darkness of sin. Apart from salvation. Those who fail to love are outside the Christian community and have no truthful testimony of God, for they have tr- no true knowledge of God. Personal knowledge of God and love for others as God defines it are inseparable. John's exhortation thereby implicitly demands self-examination. And you guys can come and get set up. I don't think she says it too strongly. That's how strongly John says it. That this when we self examine our heart and our life, if we don't find us growing in the love of God, that's not to say that we don't fail from time to time, that we don't act in unloving ways from time to time. But big picture, if we don't see God's love growing in us and in our hearts, if our hearts are not being softened to love one another more, even our enemies, even the people that we don't that are just difficult to get along with, right? Even if we don't see that, then it's cause for self examination. If you go back to the beginning and say, am I truly a part of the people of God? Have I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Have I surrendered my life to Him? Am I experiencing the Holy Spirit living in me? Am I praying for the Holy Spirit to work in me? Because the church is a community where the love of God is growing and being made complete in us. John says it very just matter-of-factly. If you are a part of the people of God, God's love will be made complete within you. So this is a promise that we have and also a challenge to live up to God's standard of love. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that reveals truth to us, that God, you are light. And Lord, I pray that you would inspire us and move in our hearts through your Holy Spirit to love one another as you've defined love, that you would give us more and more of your love for each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While we're singing, if you guys need prayer, I'll be in the back. Please come and pray with me.
2: Please stand and join us. You are holy, glorious, worthy of all praise, worthy of our affection, our attention, our devotion. We love you, God. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. And I choose to praise. 好
1: we thank you for your love for us, for your promise, for your promise to bring that love to completion in us, that nothing will separate us from your love. Lord, as we examine our heart and find so many motives there that our selfishness, our pride, our Lord, we are so thankful for that promise, that you are producing your love within us. And so, Lord, we repent where we find pride, and we surrender to your will, surrender to your love and your desire, through your spirit, to produce your love within us. Lord move in our hearts make us more loving people help us look more like Jesus may your love be how we are known in your name we pray amen you guys can have a seat for a few moments Our big idea is this, that the church is a community where the love of God is growing and being made complete in us. This is the message of 1 John 4, that if you are part of this church community, this will be happening in your life, and this will be happening within our church community if we are genuinely followers of Jesus. So we've been saying... As I've been saying from the beginning of this sermon, that love is the cardinal virtue. That more and more, as the Spirit works in our lives, He produces love, and more and more of our actions should be motivated and driven by love. A while back, I challenged us from Dr. Greg Thompson. He, he, he encouraged us to think of uh, the home and the church as a school of love. So if I'm right in this assertion that Scripture calls us to discipleship being growth in love for God and love for others, if I'm correct in that. that's what scripture means by discipleship and spiritual formation is growing in love for God and love for others, then really we should view our whole life as a school of love. But particularly, these two settings are so powerful in forming us to be people of love. So if we think of the church as a school of love, that perspective changes how we relate to one another. Because then, when somebody offends us, the perspective changes from they're the problem to how can I be more loving in the midst of this offense? We learn through that process to not run then from conflict and trouble and relational strife, and even disagreements over important matters, we learn to not flee those, but to learn to love in the midst of those. And that is the best thing that can happen to us, is to learn to love in the midst of difficult times in disagreements and all of that stuff. That perspective change, I think, is so important for us. To view church, to view your home, (laughs) even all the annoyances of being at home and (laughs) all of the tension that comes up there and the small, trivial matters, when we view those as a part of a school of love, it changes our response entirely. Again, from an external, they're the problem, to an internal, how can I? Be more like Jesus. And to do that, we need to do a couple of things. Number one is reflect on God's love for you. Is what John is pointing us to here. Remember, love is sourced in God and defined by God. So then the best way, I think, to grow in love is for us to reflect, to behold, to contemplate, to think about, read about how God loves you. I think one of the mistakes that we often make when we find that we're acting on loving is to just constantly tell ourselves, like, be more loving, be more loving, be more loving. <laughs> and then we just drive ourselves mad. Because this is like a supernaturally inspired thing within us. And so just telling myself to be more loving doesn't really accomplish much. Instead, when we reflect on God's love for us, when we really get into Scripture and study and learn and see the life of Jesus in the incarnation and, his, and the cross, and we begin to unpack and grasp even just a small bit of what he did and what that means, as we articulate that to ourselves, how can we not grow in love? If he is everything to us, if he is the model for love, the source of love, as we reflect on it, we will begin to change in love as the Holy Spirit of God works within us to form us into that love. And so I think we need to do this more. We need to sit and reflect on the love of God that he has for us. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 2 as well. Where he's writing to the church in Philippi, encouraging them in the midst of their conflicts and tensions to look at Jesus again and have this mindset of Jesus. He says it: if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Here again, he just constantly... When there's tension, when there's fighting in the churches, the apostles say, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. Remember the life of Jesus and be inspired by him who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. There it is, the incarnation, just as John talked about. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And there's the cross. So we need to reflect on those more to learn what love looks like so that when we see it in us, we can identify it. When we see it in others, we can identify it. Because God is the definition of love in Jesus. And then next, we need to do some serious self-examination. Have you seen that love being produced in you towards others? This is is a pretty uh, challenging exercise. If you've ever done this, you've explored and plunged the depths of your heart and say, why do I do the things that I do? When you think about your week, why do I go to work? Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I say the things that I do? Why do I respond the way that I do to my spouse, to my kids, to my coworkers? Why do I do all of these things? It's scary. (laughs) Because what we tend to find is a lot of pride and a lot of selfishness and a lot of ego. But the hope of what John is saying here is that God is producing his love within us. That it is not by your just willpower to say, I'm going to be more loving, but it is by a constant surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and contemplating how God has loved you, that he produces this love within you. And his promise that he is making it complete. He's bringing it to its fullness within you so we repent of our pride that we find and we turn to the Holy Spirit to help and to produce this love within us and he promises that he is making it complete within you that is a great hopeful message because if you regularly plunge the depths of your heart we often don't like what we see but the hope of the Christian life is that as we grow more in Christ more in community we uncover all of that pride and that selfishness and that ego and the Holy Spirit begins to transform our motives into love so that the things that we do come more from a place of love than any place else. So what I want to invite you to do is just reflect on God's love for you. Reflect on your last Year, two years, in the midst of all of the tension and relational stress within our nation and our communities and our families and our relationships, in that stress and tension, what has come out of you? Is it more love or is it more hate and anger and resentment? Just explore your heart and are you finding more love being produced there? Repent where you find pride and surrender it to God and pray for the Holy Spirit to produce his love within you. Just take a moment to do that right now. thank you for showing us what genuine love really looks like in Jesus, in the incarnation, in the cross life, death and resurrection Lord we thank you for the hope that you are making your love complete in us that you are bringing it to the fullness of all that you have intended with us so Lord as we examine our hearts as we examine our life Pray, Lord, that you would replace our pride with love. That you would encourage our hearts and give us peace to know, Lord, that we see you at work within us. And we can take courage, or be encouraged in that, Lord. We find our hope in you, not in ourselves. That your love is at work within us. Inspire us to love one another in our community, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together. If you guys need prayer, again, please come pray with me in the back.
2: My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweet. sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, fallless, and before the throne, Christ alone. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, would you be the foundation of our love? Christ, be the center of our lives, the foundation of our lives. Jesus, let the love that you've shown us, that you've lavished on us, change our hearts, change our lives to become more like you, that that love would transform us, that we would be continually finding more
0: love and affection in ourselves more to give more patient more patience and kindness and goodness, that those things would flow from us in increasing abundance, God because we are grounded in the one
2: true source of real, genuine, perfect love. And that's you, God. Ground us in that love. Transform us, we pray, that our love would abound more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much.
0: I encourage you to get prayer if you need prayer. We hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for worshiping with us.